We are the Mystery History Podcast. I'm Allison. I'm Rachel. Welcome to episode 146 on Henry Louis Wallace, the Taco Bell Strangler. I don't know anything about this. I know you said it's sad, so I'm not pumped about it. It's very sad, and it's crazy how long he got away with this. Is it just one person? The It's Henry Louis Wallace is, is the murderer. Yeah, but he only murdered one person or multiple. No, he's oh. a serial killer, and oh. he killed nine women i believe if not more and it's i mean it's crazy oh my god okay i was just for some reason i just thought in my mind it was a one and done situation no so we're gonna go over this nine times a lot of times and this one just pre-warning friends in particular i found some case some things from the case and he confessed to these murders and he did so in detail and that is part of this podcast because i feel like we don't always do that yeah sometimes we don't get because it's not yeah and it's not generally available the murderers don't usually give up all of the information but he did so that will be part of this episode so again pre-warning it's it's all there so right if you can't deal with it just skip ahead skip this one yeah you don't have to listen if you're not into that all right well before we get into it uh we do have uh just two things for business that we need to discuss very important things uh we haven't done any shout outs in a minute and we're gonna do we're gonna do that um yeah so my brother, you might remember him in earlier episodes, he started a podcast called Retro Waved Podcast, and it's available the same places as ours, um, Apple, Spotify, all those good things. And he just released episode 10, which is the rise and fall of Napster, which would be pretty interesting. I haven't listened to it yet, um, but you yeah. should. You should. And then let me know how it is. <laughs> or you'll probably listen to it by then <laughs> that's true or just send them a little love note and tell them that the gals at mystery history podcast uh let let you know to listen that'd be great yeah do that <laughs> he would like to hear that uh the next one is a new podcast they have um six episodes out they're called the morgue rats And they have a really interesting premise. So they are sisters and they grew up in a funeral home. And that sounds awesome and kind of scary at the same time. It does. And they tell their stories. And I feel like that's just the perfect situation for storytelling. Yeah. You have some good stories. (laughs) You would have so many. Yes. So like I said, they just released episode six. It was released last Thursday and it's called let's get real. So give those girls some love also, and let them know that mystery history sent you over there. Yep. And like their episode, let's go ahead and let's get real. Let's 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 jump into this. All right. Henry Louis Wallace was born on November 4th, 1965 in Barnwell, South Carolina to Lottie Mae Wallace. She was a single mother. 
The home Wallace shared with his older sister by three years, his mother and his great-grandmother. And this house didn't have plumbing, didn't have electricity, none of that. Wallace's mother was a strict disciplinarian who had little patience for her young son. She was verbally abusive, criticizing her son for even the smallest of mistakes. And, you know, kids. Yeah. Yep. There's always something to criticize, I'm sure, if you're looking and being mean. Yeah, she, kids make mistakes. Yeah, lots all of them. the time. They're, it's called learning, lady. Yeah. <laughs> she also didn't get along with her mother, and the two were arguing constantly, which that is the environment Henry Louis Wallace was brought into and brought up in. Despite the fact that Lottie worked long hours at a full-time job in a textile mill, the family had very little money. As Wallace outgrew his clothes, he was given his sister's hand-me-downs to wear. His sister's? So, yep. She's Aww. three years older, she's bigger, and that's what they had. And you know that couldn't have been good? No, because it's I, it's already a thing to like wear your siblings' hand-me-downs, even if it would be another boys clothing because they're all you know got holes in them and stuff like that but maybe she's got some flowers on her situation and he doesn't like that neither does all of his friends yeah and this is in the 60s and 70s Mm -hmm. so you know he would have definitely been made fun of when lottie felt the children needed to be disciplined and she was too tired to do it herself she'd often make wallace and his sister get a switch from the yard and whip each other oh wow like, she's too tired to discipline them, so she makes them discipline one another. Can you imagine the relationship that would create with your sibling? No, and I feel like it depends. Because siblings are one of two things. They're very close or they're adversary. And if they're at odds with each other, they're going to hit you as hard as they freaking can. And it's going to be like Fight Club. Yeah. Ooh. I think it would be difficult to be close if you're having to whip each other yeah period because i'm sure if you were like doing it softly she's not that's not gonna fly Mm -hmm. right wow i don't know it's terrible despite his volatile home life wallace was popular at barnwell high school he was on the student council his mother would not allow him to play football so he became a cheerleader instead He enjoyed high school and the positive feedback he received from other students, but academically, his performance wasn't great. Not stellar. Not great. After graduating in 1983, he attended one semester at South Carolina State College and one semester at a technical college. At the time, Wallace worked part-time as a disc jockey for a Barnwell radio station, which he preferred to college. Unfortunately, his radio career was short-lived, and he was fired after he was caught stealing CDs. So don't steal from your job. Yeah, especially if you like it. Exactly. You would think you'd be able to weigh the consequence there. And if you actually enjoy your job, know that stealing some CDs is not going to be worth that. No. And it was what? 1983. So CDs were expensive back in the day. They were expensive. Yes, they definitely were. You wouldn't have to steal that many to be stealing a decent amount of money, but that's still not worth it. Do you remember when they had CDs that were singles? So you could just buy 
one uh-huh. song, one or two songs. And those were like three ninety nine or something. Uh huh. But that's how I lived my life. I bought those because typically on a on an album, those are the songs I'm gonna like the most popular ones. Yeah, but you're not getting the whole experience. I mean, I feel like when you could actually buy CDs, artists really made sure that their albums like were in a good order and had all good songs. And I feel like now you don't really have to do that because people aren't generally going to listen to a whole album. No, I rarely know. And, and if I did, like a lot of the songs that are safe for me, you know, that were from my childhood CD wise, I get to about eight or 10 and then, and then I don't know stop. the rest of them. I don't know <laughs> yeah. the rest of them. <laughs> you can only listen to this for so long. <laughs> right. Yep. So anyways, back to this. Not worth it. Do not steal from a job you like. With nothing holding him in Barnwell, Wallace joined the Navy um, Reserve. From all reports, he did what he was told to do, and he did it well. In 1985, he married a high school classmate, Moretta Brabham. In addition to becoming a husband, he also took on the role of stepfather to Moretta's daughter. Okay. Not long after that, he was married and Wallace started using drugs. And he was doing crack cocaine. Okay, so not just like a little weed on the side. Like yeah. he just went full into it. Yes. So to pay for the narcotics, he started robbing people and businesses. And he was stationed in Washington while he was in the Navy. He was served with burglary warrants for crimes that he committed in Seattle. In January 1988, he was arrested for breaking into a hardware store and then later pled guilty to a charge of second-degree burglary for that. I feel like when you're in the Navy, you're not allowed to do these kinds of things. And he wasn't good at it from the jump. I mean, he got fired from stealing stuff from his employer. You'd think you'd be like, okay, that's not going to work for me. Yeah. Yeah. I need to look into a different profession. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he just uh, he got caught a lot. The judge sentenced him to two years of supervised probation. But according to his probation officer, Wallace blew off most of those mandatory meetings. Don't you go back to jail then? Like if you miss your parole, that's a violation. I thought so, but he didn't. It, this wow. all seems very strange to me. Yeah. He's not getting kicked out of the Navy. He, and I, I don't know if we say this later, but eventually he was honorably discharged from honorably. the Navy. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was honorably. And I'm like, how? You were like robbing people and getting caught. Yeah. You'd think that that would go through like typically in the military, I believe. Don't quote me on this, but the military will take it from the courts and like do their own thing so like Mm -hmm. and usually it's sometimes depending on who you are it's less and they cover it up but i don't know Hmm. i I mean if if he was meeting with a probation officer that would mean that it's outside maybe the two didn't talk to each other and they didn't know that he was having trouble especially if he kept missing his mandatory meetings but nothing happened to him 
Yeah. I don't know. Mm. All right. In early 1990, Wallace. Okay. We're getting right into it. It escalated. Yeah. We're here. Immediately. Yes, it is time. Wallace murdered 18-year-old high school student Tashonda Bethia. How do you say that? Bethia? Bethia? Bethia. In his hometown of Barnwell and then dumped her body in a lake. Her corpse was not discovered until weeks later. He was questioned by the police regarding her disappearance, but was never formally charged in her murder. He was also questioned in connection with the attempted rape of a 16-year-old Barnwell girl, but again, was not charged. He was later fired from working as a chemical operator for, for Sandoz Chemical Company. So, I mean, he was terrible. Oh, at, well, and he, was, he was terrible at stealing things, but now, I mean, he's got a taste for murder, apparently, and he's not getting charged. Mm-hmm. Even though they were, they questioned him, they had Mm -hmm. to have some sort of connection there, but I guess maybe not enough. Wow. In February, 1991, Wallace broke into his old high school and the radio station where he once worked. He stole video and recording equipment and was caught trying to pawn them. Duh. Don't do that. You saw him on the black market. Yep. In 1992, he was arrested for breaking and entering. Due to his near-perfect service record, Wallace managed, yeah, like you said, to get an honorable discharge from the Navy when his criminal activity came to light, but he was sent on his way. So they didn't know about it. That's why. That is ridiculous. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't. I feel like now everything's so digital. His criminal activity came to light. They honorably discharged him. I feel like, how do you not know that? Yeah. I mean, okay, so so I read that wrong. So I thought he was already getting honorably discharged. Then his criminal activity came up and they're like, oh, well, just whatever. We've gone too far in the paperwork. No, they, because it came to light, they honorably discharged him. So let's just send this guy out into the world because we don't want to deal with him. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. That's weird to me, too. But shortly after that, his wife left him. So yeah. not a not a good. I mean, the honorable discharge thing. He got lucky, but mm-hmm. the wife leaving that's hard. Yeah, he relocated to Charlotte, North Carolina, and he found jobs at several fast food restaurants in East Charlotte before becoming a manager at a Taco Bell near the now defunct Eastland Mall. In May 1992, Walls picked up 33-year-old Sharon Nance. She was a convicted drug dealer and a known prostitute. I hate when they say that. Known prostitute? A known prostitute. I don't know. It just sounds worse. She was a prostitute and people knew about it, I guess. When... She demanded payment for her services. Wallace beat her to death, then dropped her body by the railroad tracks, and she was found a few days later. Whoa. That's crazy. Yeah. So there's no real, like, rhyme or reason to what he's doing here. He's just murdering people. At the beginning, I think so. The first murder of that high school, the person that he knew from high school. But then with this one, he didn't want to give her money. 
So he's a cheap ass because he's stealing all this shit that isn't his. He doesn't want to pay for services rendered. Nope. Wow. And remember, he is addicted to drugs. So he's stealing Mm. and trying to get money for this addiction, too. I'm glad his wife left him. Yeah, she left him at the right. I mean, Mm. too too late, but like better than later. Yep. (laughs) For sure. In June 1992, he raped and strangled 20-year-old Carolyn Love at her apartment, then dumped her body in a wooded area. She was a college student and living in an apartment with Sadie McKnight, who was Wallace's girlfriend. That's awful. So, like, super close to home. Yes. Mm. That night, after completing her shift at the Bojangles restaurant on Central Avenue in Charlotte, Love asked the night manager if she could buy a roll of quarters to do her laundry, as you do when you live in an apartment. The night manager exchanged a roll of quarters for a $10 bill, and Love left the premises of Bojangles. As she walked towards her apartment, her cousin, Robert Ross, saw her walking, offered her a ride, and drove her home. What a good guy. What a nice cousin. Furthermore, he watched her enter her apartment, so he did the dad thing, which I do that to all my friends. Absolutely. Or, like, if they leave my house, I just watch out the window creepily till they make it to their car. (laughs) I do the exact same thing. I do the exact same thing, and they're in their car, and their car is on, and then I'm like, okay, good night. Right. (laughs) I've done my duty. (laughs) So he watched her go into her apartment. A few days later, Love's employer contacted her sister, Kathy Love, and informed her that Love had not come to work in two days. Kathy went to Love's apartment and left a note. However, the next day, Kathy was again informed that she had not come to work. Kathy then contacted Wallace, who she knew, to find Love's roommate, uh, McKnight, Sadie McKnight. Mm Mm-hmm. Kathy McKnight and Wallace went to the police station to file a missing persons report. So he knows that she's dead because he killed her. Yeah. But he's going with the sister to what a like mind. Isn't that so messed up? That would make if after you find all of this out, like how is she supposed to feel? How do you deal with that? Yeah. So they go and file a missing persons report. Later, Kathy went into Love's apartment. She noticed that some of the furniture had been moved and that the sheets from Love's bed were missing, but there was no evidence of Love's whereabouts, where she could have gone. Mm-hmm. During, the, during the investigation of the missing persons report, investigator Tony Rice of the Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Department determined that the role of quarters Love bought prior to leaving work on June 15, 1992, were missing from her apartment. Love was not found as a result of the missing persons report. It was almost two years in March 1994 before her body was discovered. Please tell me that this asshole did not murder her for a roll of quarters. For reals? I mean, that was part of it. These robberies are part of it, but I don't think it's why he's doing it. It's sexually motivated. Yeah, I think so. And he's just getting the bonus of robbing people afterwards, basically. Ugh. 
I don't know which one's worse. Um, I think the the murdering one. No, like which one's worse? Him just murdering her for 10 bucks or him motivating her or motivating, killing her due to a sexually motivated situation. Okay. I was like, I think the murdering is worse than robbing them. Yeah, for sure. 10 out of 10 times. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I mean, I guess there is no better or worse in that situation, but I just, ugh. I would say the worst is the sexually motivated because rape and murder is just worse than murder. Yeah, that's true. Wallace confessed at trial and the state introduced some redacted versions of Wallace's tape recorded confessions because he just sat down and had full confessions for all of these murders and went into detail. And that's what we're getting into here. In the confession, Wall stated he made a copy of McKnight's house key, his girlfriend's house key, and went to the apartment when he knew his girlfriend wasn't there and that love um, was also not there. <gasps> oh, I don't like Creep. this. Like super creepy. He heard Love enter the apartment and he indicated to Love that he was in the bathroom and that he would leave as soon as he came out. So she thinks she's safe, right? Yeah, it's just her roommate's boyfriend. Roommate's like, boyfriend's just yeah. here, yeah. Upon coming out um, of the bathroom, Wallace went into the living room where Love was watching TV and he kissed her on the cheek. Oh, okay. Which is bad. Yeah. I hope she slapped him. Well, she didn't. She promised not to tell McKnight about the kiss if Wallace promised not to do it again. So, like, basically, please get out of here and just Mm -hmm. leave. And then Wallace put his arms around her in, like, a wrestling chokehold. Yeah. And he said that there was a scuffle, that love scratched him on his arms and on his face, and that he kept holding her in that wrestling chokehold pose until she passed out. Then he moved love to her bedroom, took her clothes off, tied her hands behind her back with a cord from the cur- her curling iron, and he taped her mouth shut. Mm. Then he had oral sex and intercourse with her, during which she was semi-unconscious, semi-conscious. And then he would, like, continue to choke her. So he just kept her in that, like, semi-conscious state for a while. He knew that she was still alive because um, he she still had a pulse. And then he decided to strangle her to death. What are you going to do? I mean, she knows exactly who you are. You can't really let her go. No. But not like giving him an out. This is not okay. And any. No, it's not. It just seems like really personal. And it, it seems like he didn't have a plan. Like unless his plan was murder, because how are you going to get out of that? Yeah. Situation. I Hmm. don't know, but he did. (laughs) that's the thing yeah like out of this one he did and there's because like he a killed her connection yeah yes 
And but he gets away, he got away with doing that for a while though, like after this murder. I feel like this first one, like this isn't the first murder, but this murder should have gotten him caught because he was so close to it. Yeah, he was in her apartment at other times. He definitely should have been like a main person of interest at minimum, right? But I don't know, it just doesn't seem like they were looking at him that well. Well, my first thing is to be like, okay, now we have to add. I feel like we need to have like a log, like a captain's log of everything that we need to do. And like, like if you have a roommate and they have a boyfriend, you need to do a background check on the boyfriend. But that wouldn't have done anything for her because he never was convicted for the other mur- murders that he got. He right. would she, he would show probably pretty great on paper aside from the robbery and that he was honorably discharged. So he must be right. a good guy. That's the problem. That's just like this, the Patreon episode we just did that still sits with me about Lisanne and Chris Creamer. Like they did everything they should have done and it still didn't work out for them. Like, yeah, it just sucks. It does suck. It really does suck. Wallace further confessed that he left the apartment to move his car closer to the stairwell. So he's just, you know, moving out and about in this apartment area you think somebody would see him he returned to the apartment with a large orange trash bag and wrapped love's body in a bed sheet and put her body in the trash bag he placed some clothing into another bag to make it appear that she had just up and left oh where first off my question where are people mm-hmm. buying these damn trash bags i would not fit in a trash bag even an industrial size one absolutely not even a garden clipping bag also (laughs) like how do you move that because you know you have to be dragging that on the ground and it's definitely gonna rip my trash bag gets too full if i put a bunch of shit in it and i pull it out and it fucking rips i don't know how you get a body in that i don't know i have no idea and it and then too like the things that he's doing like what However, nobody's going to think that somebody just up and left, right? No. However, to your point that you had made earlier where like, don't you think somebody could have seen him? Yeah, but he was already around. So like, it's not weird. So really, it's kind of the perfect alibi that like, it's not weird that he's around because he is is always around. Yeah. Yeah. In and out of there. Yeah, that's fair. But this is strange behavior. But also this part where he carries the bags down the stairs and puts them into the backseat of his car. If anybody saw him doing that, you would think. That would trigger whenever this whole thing came to light. Yeah. Yeah. When you find out she's missing, I'd be like, oh. (laughs) Yeah. Trash bag that's very large. Must have been Costco version. Yeah. Looked very heavy. Super suspicious. He then drove to Charlotte, trying to find a place to leave her body. Wallace stopped the car while driving down Statesville Road, took the trash bag containing her body from his car, and dumped the bag into the woods. The following day, Wallace drove back to the location because he was afraid the orange trash bag would be noticeable (laughs) from the road. Idiot. Fucking idiot. I mean... (laughs) I don't know why they are so stupid. 
But you what's know? infuriating is they're so stupid, but yet here and we then are. He still didn't get caught from that. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's just double obnoxious. Ugh. But yes, I don't know. Wallace stated that he removed the body from the orange trash bag and then moved the body into a shallow ravine. He also admitted to taking a roll of quarters from her dresser. Couldn't get away from like, it, could you? Why? Damn. Later, on March 13, 1994, after Wallace's confession, Wallace directed Rice and other investigators to the site where he had dumped her body. Subsequently, Dr. James Michael Sullivan, a a forensic pathologist and medical examiner employed by the Medical Examiner's Office of Mecklenburg County, went to the area of Statesville Road to recover her skeletal remains. Dr. Sullivan performed an autopsy on those remains. Based on the history provided by the police, the absence of any significant findings to contradict a history of strangulation, and the location of the unclothed remains in a wooded area, Dr. Sullivan determined that the cause of death was homicide by means of strangulation. So, she was strangled. And Uh, he directed them to her. On February 19th, 1993, Wallace strangled 20-year-old Shauna Hawk, who was a college student at her home, after first raping her and later went, you fucker, went to her funeral. I can't with this guy. I can't. He, because every single one of these people is personal to him. Yes. As we'll find out, Hawk worked at Taco Bell, where Wallace was her supervisor. So it's not super weird that he's there at her funeral, but Mm -hmm. that is so messed up, man. It is super messed up. Um. In March 1993, Hawk's mother, Dee Sumter, and her godmother, Judy Williams, founded Mothers of Murdered Offspring, a Charlotte-based support group for parents of murdered children. I hate that this has to be a thing. I, but I'm, I do, too. But I'm glad that they have. Because that I could it not exists. Im- I couldn't imagine. Because you couldn't talk to anybody. Nobody would understand. Nope. <laughs> you would feel I- so alone in that, except for with your partner. And I feel like that would be a really, because I have thoughts in my mind randomly. And I was thinking like, heaven forbid, obviously, that something would ever happen to my child. I understand why a lot of people don't get through that because you, that's probably all you want to talk about or you don't want to talk about it at all. And Mm -hmm. then you wouldn't want to bring it up because if they're not, you know, at that point, you don't, that's, that's your whole life would be that would be surrounded mm-hmm. by that. Yeah. Would, that's just tough, man. Yeah. They definitely, I mean, the support group is good because I feel like being able to talk to other people that are experiencing that may, would make all the difference there. And I think too, sometimes it's very liberating to be in a room full of people that don't know you at all. Yeah. And you can burden them with things that you don't want to put because it's so heavy on other people too. like and and they would then understand exactly how you feel. Yeah. So that's that is something good, but sad that came out of it at the time of the murder. Shauna Hawk was living with her mother, Sylvia in Charlotte. Hawk was a paralyzed legal student at central piedmont community college and worked at the taco bell restaurant 
where Wallace was her manager, supervisor, manager. On February 19th, Sumter arrived home and started to cook dinner. Hawk's car wasn't there, but Sumter saw Hawk's coat and her purse in a closet. Hmm. You don't leave your purse no. or your coat because it was cold outside, so you wouldn't leave your coat either. And, you know, women don't go anywhere without their purse because your stuff's in there and our right. pockets are too damn small. Yeah. Or they don't have pockets. What's up with that? What is up with that? They're fake pockets. Those are so uh, Those are the worst. Sumner had seen Hawk earlier in the day wearing the coat. So she called her boyfriend, Daryl Kirkpatrick, to ask if he had seen her. But Kirkpatrick said that he had not seen her. Mm-hmm. So mom's getting worried, right? Right. She didn't learn that um, Hawk was to um, have picked up her godson from daycare, but she didn't do it. So she looked through Hawk's purse and noticed that her keys weren't there and that some money was missing. So that's also strange. Kirkpatrick arrived at the house to comfort the mother, Kirkpatrick and Sumter decided to file a missing persons report and called the police. Subsequently, Kirkpatrick, the boyfriend, walked through the house looking into each room and he entered a bathroom downstairs and noticed that the shower curtain outside was outside of the bathtub. And he pulled the shower curtain back and found her curled up and submerged in water. Oh my god, no. So she was there and she had been robbed. Kirkpatrick ran upstairs and told Sumter to call 911. Emergency personnel arrived, tried to resuscitate her, and then transported her to the hospital where she was pronounced dead. Wow, that's awful. Because the mom was there the whole time and you don't know. I don't know if she was there when that happened. But, no, but she was cooking dinner. She was looking, yeah, like she was going about her day and then started thinking that she needed to worry about her and she was there the whole time this is brutal man it is it is terrible and then we have all these details and like i don't i don't know i just don't feel good about it yeah Uh, february 20th 1993 dr sullivan performed an autopsy on hawk's body and he's the same one that performed one on um the the prior victim Mm mm-hmm He discovered a contusion on the left side of Hawk's scalp above the ear and a laceration of the left eardrum with some hemorrhaging behind the eardrum, evidencing a blunt trauma prior to death. Dr. Sullivan indicated that based on the bruising present, the blow occurred prior to death, but that it was unlikely that the blow caused unconsciousness, which is a bummer. Super bummer. Dr. Sullivan also observed hemorrhages in the lining of the eyes, on the skin of the face, in the lining of the mouth, and in the muscles in the front of the neck overlying the voice box area, all of which were an indication of ligature strangulation. Dr. Sullivan defined a ligature as an instrument, a cord or a band, or something that's made into a cord or band, then circles around the neck and is used to forcibly compress the neck. Based on his observations, Dr. Sullivan opinioned that the cause of death was ligature strangulation. Mm -hmm. 
So Wallace she wasn't drowned then. No. So he strangled her to death and then he put her and in the bathtub. Put her in the bathtub, yeah. And to what? Had too. To think that she like killed herself or something. Like, why? I don't know. I don't know. He confessed that he stopped by Hawk's home to see her and that they talked for a while because she trusted him. Yeah. Because he's the supervisor. As Wallace was leaving, Hawk gave him a hug. And Wallace then told Hawk that he wanted her to have sex with him. What? What a fucking guy. Like, like, yeah, right? Wallace took Hawk to her bedroom, told her to remove her clothing, and told her to perform oral sex on him, which she did. Mm. And here's the thing. I don't like she did not want to do this right like right from jump she was scared and she probably thought that since he's her superior at work you know like that just adds a whole other leather level to what's going on exactly and she's telling him no like when i when we're saying that he took her to the bedroom it wasn't like consensual let's go yeah very unconsensual then Wallace performed oral sex on her. The two then had sex. Wallace admitted that Hawk was afraid and that she cried the entire time. So, again, very unconsensual here, this entire situation. Afterwards, Wallace told her to put her clothes on and he took her into the bathroom. And once she was there, he put that chokehold wrestling move on her with her head in between his arms until she passed out so he's got to have like i don't know i feel like if somebody tried to choke hold me like that you'd have to be a massive man it just wouldn't work fast enough for me to not stick my fingers in your eyeballs right you know what i mean like you need something that's gonna take me out quicker than that i feel like so he must have like big monster arms or something and be big enough to because essentially i mean you're going to be trying to move enough. your whole yeah. body to try to get out of that and just maybe mm-hmm. to lift them up and yeah. get their feet off the floor i don't know and it takes time to pass out so it's like you're gonna be struggling yeah. for a minute i don't know he must be extremely strong after that happened he filled the bathtub with water and he put hawk into it and he also admitted to stealing fifty dollars the problem with this is that it is such a stupid amount that he's yes. stealing from people like that that cannot be the reasoning you're doing that obviously it's just like an afterwards thing like oh while i'm here go ahead and fund my drug habit now was this because i know we haven't we've kind of gotten back to the pieces of when you know he confessed and things like that and we're probably going to talk about it, but there there's DNA evidence, right? Like his semen had to have been in any one of these people. And okay. I would think so. I would think. Is so. that how they caught him? I don't actually remember how they caught him. Okay. Because I mean, we're what? We're pretty far deep into this now. We're and not it's like... that deep into it, though. There's still so many more people. And that's kind of the thing is that there is such a connection 
between him and all of these murdered women, it is a problem. It should have been so obvious. And they're happening quickly. It's not like this is like years apart. Right. Or that the murders are so different. Just to put this out in the universe, if I know you and two people around you die like within a like, few. I'm good, uh, like what's that? Yeah, I'm going to investigate you. Yeah. Under like suspicious circumstances. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'll be at the, I will tell the cops. So then later when we talk about it on the podcast, I can be like, I freaking told them. I told, <laughs> I them. told them. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just like, dang, it's it's crazy to me. This is giving me John Wayne Gacy vibes. Yeah. Very much. Cause he was, you know, he owned KFC, he was in power with these men, mm-hmm. boys. Was- yeah boys absolutely and they were very you know not super close but close enough to be like something's weird something's weird something is going on here yeah yeah Mm. okay so on june 22nd he raped and strangled taco bell co-worker again another place at his work 24 year old audrey spain her body was found two days later so this this did not take that long to find her body and and neither did the other one. So I mean these are I right mean it's there. yeah, they know it, that they're gone, not missing, and it's available. Now they and don't it's four all months. work at the and they don't all work at the same Taco Bell. But he's in connection with them. But he's in connection with these Taco Bells. Cause he probably goes to different stores. I think so. I think he does. So it's not all of them coming. Obviously, at this point, that would be like so many people from the same Taco Bell. That would be super suspicious. But they're just like Taco Bells. And then this, just to make it a point, this is like four months after Hawk. Mm -hmm. So not that long. Yeah, not that long. This is all happening very quickly. On June 23rd, Spain was to report to work at 6.30 p.m. at the Taco Bell restaurant on Wendover Road. Spain did not show up to work. Mark Lawrence, who was her manager, thought it was unusual for Spain not to come to work, so he drove by her apartment that evening. That's kind of weird, right? I mean, in a fast food place, people don't show up all the time, but I don't know how long she worked there. Maybe, you know, maybe she was just, that wasn't her her vibe. It's so, I mean, weird that he would drive over to her house. We do. I mean, in, in companies, smaller ones like that. I mean, Taco Bell obviously is a huge chain, but locally, we yeah. would do wellness checks on people. We, I have never driven to anybody's house, but I, um, my boss had prior in my prior job to check on them. Weird. It is, it is. I feel like that's a, that's what you call the police for because yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. that's them doing a wellness check. Why would you just take it upon you? You are their manager. Yeah, I, don't know. I mean that's just kind of weird to me. And plus, if if you if they something's happening, what are you going to do about it? You can't do anything. They need the police, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of strange. I don't know. I and I would not do it. I would not, I would not, it was never asked of me, but I'm glad because if it was, I'd been like, no, because we do enough of these episodes. This is weird. (laughs) I did not realize that that was something that happened. I don't know. 
Lawrence then called Spain and left a message on her answering machine. I can't remember if we got this out, but he did see her her car in the parking lot. Yeah. So she she must have been there then, right? The- yeah, it looked like she was at home then, right? Looked like it. The next morning on the 24th, Lawrence rode by Spain's apartment and again saw her car in the lot. He called her sister and left a message to express his concern. That one makes sense. Yes. Doing that makes sense. Spain didn't show up for work that evening and Spain's sister never returned Lawrence's call. So Lawrence called 911. Good for you, Lawrence. There we go. Doing the thing. Thereafter, officers periodically rode by the apartment and knocked on the door, but they didn't get a response. So that's just like a day, like not for like months or anything. Yeah, he he acted on this very quickly because, yeah, you Uh go do a wellness check because you don't know, you know, maybe they forgot to set their alarm or something Mm -hmm. stupid or they got a flat tire, whatever the case may be. But then two days in a row, that's weird. So that's good that he reached out to family. And then that's bullshit that she didn't call him back. (laughs) But who knows how long he gave her, though, too. You know, maybe it was because by the it was no time it was no time at all because yeah it was on the same day he or wait yeah yeah it was on the it was on the same day that he called 911 so he didn't give her a ton of time to respond and then during that same day is when officers were driving by and, and knocking on the door then the next day maintenance personnel from the apartment complex entered the apartment through her sliding glass door and found her dead on the bed Lawrence, again, stopped by Spain's apartment and an officer informed him that they had discovered Spain in her apartment. Oh, geez. Terrible. On June 26th, Dr. Sullivan conducted conducted an autopsy on Spain's body. There was ligatures made from a t-shirt and a bra around her neck with the end of the t-shirt stuffed into her mouth. After removing the ligature, Dr. Sullivan discovered a mark left by the ligature. He also observed hemorrhages in the conjunctiva. What is that? The That's in your eyes. eyes. Yeah. Yeah. On the skin, on her face, um, and in the voice box, and in the muscles in the front of the neck, as well as minor blunt trauma injuries, including some small facial abrasions and some abrasions on her knee and a contusion on her right hip dr sullivan said that the cause of death was strangulation so this is happening in, and he's he's doing them all right and they're having the same yeah they're having the same causes of death wallace confessed that he had so after he was caught he confessed that he had gone to spain's house and that they had smoked together weed weed Sorry, not cigarettes. (laughs) (laughs) So he's got that kind of relationship with her. I bet he's just like a lady, ladies man, you know, like he was just friendly with everybody. Like a friendly guy. Yeah. Yeah. He admitted that his motive for visiting her was to rob her. And he stated that he put her in that same stupid freaking chokehold in her living room and asked about the combination for the safe at her workplace which is also his workplace at a different location yes like he goes around there too but she said that she didn't know the combination so 
there was that. He also asked about money in her personal bank account, but she said that she didn't have any money because she had just gotten back from a vacation. So he's got nothing to steal, right? Mm-hmm. Wallace said he did not remember asking Spain to remove her clothes, but that she begged him not to hurt her. He kept that chokehold on her until she passed out. And then he dragged her into her bedroom and raped her. Afterwards, he took Spain into the bathroom where he put her into the shower to wash off any evidence. Which, like... Did he use a condom? Do you know? I don't know. I don't know if he did or not. I mean, if he didn't, then you can't just wash off the evidence. Exactly. It's in there. And I also feel like it would be really hard to wash off evidence, like, if she's... I mean, I think she was unconscious, but if she, like, scratched him or got any skin on him, onto her, I feel like you can't just, like, rinse that off. Well, and you're... I don't know. With these chokeholds, too, I mean, you're close together. There could have been hair. There could have... I mean, you know, from his arms or from his head that had fallen on her. You know, any anything. Anything. Yeah, I don't know. So he choked her. He then, um, after he washed her off, put her into her bed and tied a t-shirt and a bra around her neck to, to kill her. Before leaving, Walsh took Spain's keys and her Visa credit card. He used the Visa credit card to get gas. In also, her car? I, like, I don't think so. Because her car was there still. Yeah. Yes. So he just used her card, though. And they always have cameras and stuff. Yeah. At the gas station. So you would think they would, like, I don't I don't know. Maybe it was, like, way harder to do that stuff back then. But you think they would monitor her cards. Yeah. And then get the video cameras of him getting gas or something. You would think so. I mean, it was 1993. It's, yeah. It's not like, I mean, that was a minute ago. But it's not like that was, should have been out of the question, right? <laughs> Well, wait a minute. Do you remember the slide jobby Amer- like um, credit card processing thing where basically it just made an imprint of your card on a receipt? Uh... I wonder if, like, I don't know. I feel like that was used in Home Alone 2. When was Home Alone 2? Yeah, Let's see. I don't know. Yeah, that could be it. Because maybe it wasn't so uh, prevalent. That yeah, was that 1992. Is so oh see i don't remember i don't know maybe that i mean maybe it was hard to do that it wasn't digital yeah maybe it was hard to find that i don't know well anyways he goes and gets gas on her card and then he returned to her apartment to make phone calls so that it would seem that she had not died on the day that he had actually killed her he is like trying to cover stuff up in literally the most stupidest ways. Yeah, rigor mortis, dude. It doesn't lie, even if you make phone calls. It is just the dumbest stuff, man. I don't know. He's don't know. so dumb, but it's so like, how did this get so far? We're not done. Mm mm. Mm mm. I mean, we have more. August 1993, Valencia Jumper was a senior at Johnson C. Smith University in Charlotte studying political science. She also worked at Food Lion on Central Avenue and at Hex in South Park Mall. She was also a friend of Wallace's sister. So again, close connection. Mm -hmm. 
On August 9th, 1993, a friend of Jumper's, Zachary Douglas, spoke with Jumper on the phone after meeting later that night, about meeting later that night. Uh, Douglas arrived at Jumper's apartment in the early morning hours of August 10th, 1993, and noticed that smoke was coming from her apartment. Douglas testified that he had turned the knob and the door was unlocked, so he opened it. Douglas stated that there was too much smoke for him to enter the apartment any further. Douglas then alerted a neighbor who called the fire department. As firefighters arrived on the scene to fight the fire, firefighter Dennis Arney entered the kitchen and noticed that a burner on the stove had been left on. Based on examinations at the fire scene, the information provided by firefighters and the observed pattern the fire traveled, the investigators believe the fire originated from a pot left burning on the stove. (coughs) Firefighters found Jumper's body in the bedroom of her apartment. So he was trying to burn her now. Mm -hmm. So we we tried doing the shower thing, and now we're going to try to just burn the place down. And, like, to their credit... This one's weird. Like, what do you mean? This one might not be easy to connect to the other murders. Because it was a fire? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So mm-hmm. this one maybe would have been more difficult, even though it was his sister's friend. Uh, like you said, aren't people like, how are so many people that you are connected to in some way, like dying in these strange ways? Because they're all young. Well, he's probably people. going to all the freaking funerals because he's a sicko. So you'd be like, wow, yeah. you know, you're going you know, to a lot of funerals. What's yeah. happening? In that same suit, dry cleaned a lot. What's happening? <laughs> right. I don't know. It's just really weird. But at the end of the day, yes, the fire is different. But at the end of the day, as we'll talk about, it's the same MO. I mean, at the end of the day, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. On August 10th, Dr. Sullivan performed an autopsy on Jumper's body. He's getting all these people. With the same damn thing. Yeah. It's Did he weird. alert them that we have a serial killer on our hands? Because I seriously, you do. I seriously cannot remember how he got caught. That's crazy. And I really hope it's in these notes, but I don't know that I can't remember. I don't know why I can't remember. I just can't. So anyways, he performed an autopsy. Her body was extensively charred. He was told that the fire was thought to have been accidentally caused by a pot of beans left burning on the stove. However, he didn't find any soot in Jumper's airway, indicating that there was no significant inhalation of smoke during the fire. So he knows that that's not the reason for this situation. After learning that there was no carbon monoxide in her blood, Dr. Sullivan listed thermal burns as the cause of death. Really? Yeah. Yeah. After Wallace's confession, Dr. Sullivan re-examined the jumper autopsy and amended the cause of jumper's death. Um, He testified that the cause of jumper's death was strangulation, which are you allowed to freaking do that? Well, and that would explain then why it is so different, because even though, yes, at the end of the day, it was strangulation, he fucked that one up. He fucked that one up. 
how could it possibly be burns when she didn't breathe any of the smoke <laughs> right, in? Right. Like, you have to be breathing what? to be burned alive. Yes. I feel I like mean, this is like autopsy 101, man. <laughs> like, why do I have to tell this guy that? I think uh, he was trying to cover shit up. I'm just saying. Like, that's suspicious. Yeah. That is suspicious. Not, you know what? I'm sorry. Not cover anything up, but that's just like lazy. <laughs> Like, it must be Burns. She's burnt. Must have been the Burns. Like, well, he's working hard. He's been working really hard because of all the freaking bodies that have been piling up. Yeah. I guess the only other option there would just be, like, unknown. Yeah. But because there's nothing that, I mean, I feel like that indicates that it was a homicide and not an accident, though. Mm-hmm. And whereas if you're like burns, that still sounds like it's part of the accident. But the yeah. fact that she didn't have anything in her lungs should be this is a homicide and we need to be looking for somebody. You know, and we don't wonder, know how she died. So, you know, that's bad. <laughs> I wonder if she lived in did, did we say apartment or does she live in a house? Just because if she lived in an apartment, OK, this should go for anyone. If you live in an apartment. And somebody breaks in and tries to burn the building down. You should also be charged with attempted murder for every single person that lives in that building. Mm, yeah, you totally should. It is apartment. So, yeah, he should have been charged for every single person because of that fire, which is what he wanted to burn her up to mm-hmm. get rid of the evidence. It would have caught all the other Went. houses on file fire. Yeah, And then you would have never known. Like, I don't know. That's frustrating. It is. All right. Wallace confessed to Jumper's murder. He indicated that Jumper was like a little sister to him, which is even worse. Awful. And they often spent time with one another. On the night in question, Wallace stated that he'd stopped by her apartment and that they talked for a while and then he left. Wallace later returned to her apartment and asked her to call McKnight which is his girlfriend who he killed her roommate earlier. Uh-huh. Um, they're all tied together because they got in a fight, probably because he murdered her roommate. I don't know. When <laughs> jumper reached toward the phone, Wallace put her in a chokehold. He took her to the bedroom. Jumper begged Wallace not to hurt her and stated she would do anything he wanted and then removed her clothes. Wallace and jumper engaged in oral sex and sex. Afterwards, while Jumper was putting her clothes back on, Wallace put a towel around her neck and choked her until she passed out. Wallace it's stated, also terrible. I just want to say that these people are being raped, but I feel like they probably thought that they were going to get let go after. Yeah. Yeah. They thought, okay, I just got to do this and then we'll be fine. And then I'll get out of this situation. Uh-huh. Like, oh, that makes me so sick. And that's the problem because even, okay. Hold on. I got a tangent here to go on. Uh-oh. Here we go. So just like you remember before 9-11, whenever everybody was told just to comply with hostage demands, just comply, yeah. they'll get their ransom or whatever, and then you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. That is the same thing with this kind of situation, because even if you think that you are going to comply and get out of it, that's not always the motive. So I, I'm not advocating either way, however you see fit to proceed in a situation like that, because that's, you know, Mm -hmm. a decision you have to make. 
I'm not going to just lay down and take it though. For me yeah. personally, because we've read so many of these where these people think that they're going to get out of it by just going along with it. Whenever mm-hmm. you need to be looking for it out all because the that's time. not the worst that I mean, that's not the worst that's going to happen. You are going to die. Yeah. And especially as like rape and things like that, you you're getting more time for them. I feel like nowadays than you used to, it's a higher offense now. So mm-hmm. even if they just raped you and you caught them somehow, they're going to go away for a long time. Yeah. Just, okay. Sorry. I had to talk about that. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways. He, so Wallace, so he started choking her until she passed out. Mm-hmm. Wallace stated that jumper started bleeding from her nose. So he kept the pressure on the towel for about five minutes until he felt no pulse. Then he wiped his fingerprints from certain areas of the apartment. He went into the kitchen and noticed a bottle of rum. So he took the bottle to the bedroom and poured the rum on jumper's body on the bed and on the floor nearby. It was 151. Ooh, the worst. The worst. Uh, The worst. Wallace then went back. Does that work, though? Yeah, I guess so. It's an accelerant. Oh, okay. So he wasn't trying to get rid of evidence at this point by pouring this. Oh, like maybe. I'd actually, you know what? I don't know what the hell he's doing. Maybe he was a little bit of both. Yeah, because I I could see it being an accelerant because that shit burns your mouth. Yeah, when you drank it's it. It's definitely an accelerant. <laughs> but yeah, maybe he was trying to sanitize the whole area too. I don't really know what's going on yeah. in this guy's head. Huh. He then went back into the kitchen, opened a can of beans, put the beans in a pot on the stove, and turned it on high. He then took the battery out of the smoke detector. He went back into the bedroom. Yeah, okay. So it was an accelerant. He lit a match and threw it on Jumper's rum soaked body before leaving the apartment. Wallace returned. If he thinks that would like sanitize too, probably he was. He probably thought, oh well, either way, one way will help. You know, like yeah, I've got two things going for me here. He then again returned to the apartment. Twenty minutes later, when he saw smoke rushing out the door, he left and went home. Wallace admitted taking jewelry from her body and pawning it at a local pawn shop. So much evidence everywhere in the world. I know. And that also explains a little more for Dr. Sullivan with the burns. Because, oh, because it was like, yeah, extensive. It didn't... Yes. Yeah. It wasn't but... like she just had some singe. It was like she was charred, probably. But can't they tell when there's an accelerant on people, too? Yeah, fire, like... Maybe not on their bodies. Maybe it's just you can tell in an area or something. I don't know. I don't because know Because that would mean that it was not an accident either, that it mm-hmm. was a homicide. There's so many reasons why this should have been ruled a homicide to begin with. Well, I'd want to know, you should be able to tell also that the pot of beans was not the first fire to have been you know that's not where the fire started it started in the bedroom and that Mm -hmm. doesn't make sense i don't fire forensic stuff is very interesting to me and i didn't realize how like crazy it was till we did that one that last episode Mm -hmm. and um i would like to learn more right 
Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it is very interesting. And you would think they'd be able to freaking tell. So anyways, yeah. a month later in September 1993, he went to the apartment of 20-year-old Michelle Stinson, who was a college student and a single mother of two sons. Stinson was a friend of his from Taco Bell. So she Yikes. had worked there. On September 15th, Stinson's friend James stopped by her apartment to visit with her and the kids. Mays knocked on the front door, but nobody answered. He heard the children knocking on the window and telling them their mother was sleeping on the kitchen floor. No. Yeah. Mays thought they were playing a game, but she never answered the door. He turned to leave when the oldest child came out the back door and grabbed him. Mays, like, how are you going to leave that situation? Yeah, how how young are these kids? Because they sound really young. Because I think they are very young. Mays picked up the child, went back into the apartment through the back door, and that's when he discovered Michelle on the kitchen floor with blood around her. Mays picked up the phone, but he realized that the cord had been cut or jerked out of the wall. And he took the kids and asked the neighbors to help him him find the phone so that he could call the police. Wow. That's terrible that the kids were there. It really is. I mean, thankfully, he didn't hurt the kids. But how, like, just Jesus. What do you do with that? I can't remember if he does end up hurting a child. He does not kill them, but he does end up hurting a child. And I don't think it's this one, but. Mm, Okay. Dr. Sullivan, again, performed the autopsy on her body on September 16th, 1993. He discovered four stab wounds to the left side of the back. Two of the four stab wounds caused injury to the heart and lungs that could have been fatal. Dr. Sullivan also observed evidence of ligature strangulation in the form of a band of abrasions and contusions over the front of the neck and small hemorrhages in the skin of the face, the eye, and internally in the muscles of her neck. Dr. Sullivan said that the cause of death was stab wounds to the chest with strangulation as a contributing cause. I feel like they have to know, right? I mean, I... I feel like he is trying to take them off their game a little by adding in these new little things. Like stabbing yeah, like had never stabbing been a thing. Stabbing is weird. Exactly. The burning the fire. Mm-hmm. weird. Yeah. Leaving her, leaving one in the bathtub, weird. Yeah. So he's trying to, because obviously you've got to know that, like, man, I'm hitting them real close to home here. I need to and make fast. sure. Yeah. Yeah make it look a little i don't know i don't know what he's thinking for all of the like information that he readily gives into each of these murders like what are you thinking bro yeah i don't know Mm. wallace confessed that he stopped by her apartment around 11 p.m with the intention of raping and murdering her they talked for a while and then he got ready to leave and they hugged at that point wallace told her that he wanted to have sex with her and that he wanted her to remove her clothes she told him that she was sick but wallace didn't believe her and wanted her to produce some sort of medication which she could not do so show me the pill bottle 
bitch, I have a sinus infection. Leave me the hell no, alone. I think it, I think sick maybe means like cancer. No, no, no. Like some sexually transmitted disease, maybe. I mean, oh. otherwise, why would he care? Right. Got the herp derps. Yeah. I don't know. That makes more sense. Yeah. I think that is probably what that means. But she uh, maybe apparently didn't. Yeah, she didn't have it or anything. So, (laughs) so Wallace began to choke her. She then agreed to have sex with him and removed her clothes. Wallace told her he wanted her to perform oral oral sex on him, but she stated she did not know how. So, homegirl is trying really hard to to get get out out of this this situation. Absolutely. Wallace responded, "Well, you're about to learn." So scary. That would be. So then she performed oral sex on him. After having sex on the kitchen floor, Wallace administered a chokehold until she became unconscious. He strangled her with a towel he had retrieved from the bathroom. She began to gasp for air, so Wallace took a knife and stabbed her about four times. He used a washcloth to wipe his fingerprints from the glass, the door, the phone, the wall, and the floor. Before Wallace left the apartment, her oldest son awoke and Wallace told him to go back to bed. Wallace left through the back door using a towel to avoid leaving fingerprints and threw the knife and washcloth over a fence near the back of her apartment. So thankfully the kids did not witness any of this. They were asleep, but then had to wake up and be with their mother for God knows how long. Mm-hmm. Mm. And they were young, young, so sad on february 4th 1994 wallace was arrested for shoplifting but at this point police hadn't made any connections between him and all of these murders so you're stealing money from all these people too and you still don't have enough to get the shit that you need he's extremely busy apparently and he needs a lot of drug money i don't know he's like robbing everybody that he knows and murdering yeah. them so i don't know what well, and, not and when you're arrested for shoplifting you've done it so many times before really yeah like i don't think you just he had to have been doing it the whole time and then just fucked up and got caught don't you think are you saying that if you get caught shoplifting you're not necessarily going to get arrested no, I'm saying that if you oh. got sho- caught shoplifting, that's not the first time you did it. That's just the time you got caught. Mm. I have no idea because I've never shoplifted. Me neither. I, I feel like I would be really bad at it and I probably would get caught the first time. So but I, whenever we were probably 16, I went to Walmart with a group of girls and they were known to steal makeup from the Walmarts. Yeah, And I told them, I said, I do not get down with theft. Like, I just think that it's so wrong. If you don't have the money for something, work a job because none of them had freaking jobs and pay for it yourself. Yeah, I was driving. I was driving. I drove all of us there. Then we separated and I walked out with them and they had stolen something. (sighs) And I... So like where I was so mad. I was like, I walked out with you. If you would have gotten caught, I would have gotten caught. And I'm so against this. I almost left them in the Walmart parking lot, but 
I didn't want him to get murdered. So but I didn't talk. I didn't talk to him no more. Because that's like ever that's, again. No, that's messed up, man. That is you're not messed my, up. You're not my friend if you're putting me in that situation. After I specifically Absolutely said not. I'm not down don't with this. Do this. Yeah. I feel like I don't think I ever ran into that in high school, really. But the first time I was exposed to shoplifting was when I went to my first concert, the Backstreet Boys. My first big kid concert. And I went with our neighbors and her friend and they stole stuff from like Claire's or something. And they were trying to get me to do it. And they were older than me and Mm -hmm. cooler than me and like older than me by a couple of years. So they were like in high school and I was in like eighth grade. So I did not (laughs) obviously take anything, but that like kind of like sticks out in my memory like Backstreet Boys was my first big kid concert but then that situation happened yeah it really stressed my eighth grade self out I will just say but I was like no I'm absolutely I'm not doing that I I mean I was scared but also I knew that that was like not something that I ever wanted to do because it's not right exactly (laughs) I don't need I don't need anything that bad to steal it if I was starving or my kids were starving I would steal bread from Yes. somebody selling bread you know but I don't need a necklace from Claire's right I just I, don't <laughs> well and, and people say that like that's just a you know a thing with adolescence that that's just something no you do not it's have weird to, do to me no, I never no. stole anything except yeah. for a pair of bowling shoes one time oh shit I, I was with you <laughs> <laughs> you're right we did steal those and I felt really bad about it and so my I. mom gave me the longest lecture about how stupid that was that was stupid I don't that was whenever I was like into plaid pants and uh, like punk rock stuff right. and I wanted to wear them around and I don't I didn't know I where never you could... did I never did me neither because it was like walking in shame <laughs> Just a reminder. Anybody where I got these bowling shoes? The thrift store. Right, they don't have a bowling shoe store. That, yeah. Oh, so not okay. That was terrible. And I still feel bad bad about that. I feel bad about it right now too. So thanks for bringing it up. That did happen. (laughs) Oh, hate that. Anyways, he was arrested for shoplifting. He's trying to shoplift because he wants drug money, probably. But they didn't have any connection to him with these murders. In February, so same month, Wallace strangled 25-year-old Vanessa Littleback, which was another Taco Bell employee, in her apartment. She was living in an apartment in Charlotte with her two young daughters. She worked at Carolina's Medical Center also. On February 20th, uh, Barbara Rippey, her grandmother, or the grandmother of Mac's oldest daughter, went to Mac's apartment to pick up the daughter as she did every Sunday morning so that Mac could go to work. Rippy arrived at 6 a.m. to get the, the child and went to the back door, but the door was ajar, which would immediately be, like, so upsetting. Mm-hmm. Something's not right. It just would feel immediately bad, really, really wrong. So she called out, but Vanessa didn't answer. So she entered and noticed Vanessa's four-month-old daughter lying on the couch, which she thought was real weird yeah. that she was just on the couch over there. 
She entered the bedroom and saw Vanessa's feet hanging off the side of the bed. She testified that her feet were the only part of her body exposed and that they appeared gray and that they felt cold. What a terrible situation. Yes, that is awful. She called 911 and then picked up the daughter and went outside. As she left the apartment, the fire department and police department vehicles had arrived. So, like, a real quick Super fast. There. Mm-hmm. That's good. And at least she went. I mean, you know, this isn't good either. Because what do you do? You know, if a, dar- a door is ajar, that means not good. There could be a burglar or whatever. But there's kids in there. Mm-hmm. So, so go I'm going in. in. Mm-hmm. Gotta go in there. Mm. Have to. Officer Jeffrey Bumgardner of the Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Department found Mac lying on her bed. Bumgardner observed a towel around her neck and blood coming from her nose, ears, and the back of her head. He also noticed a pocketbook with its contents scattered on the bed because he was looking for money because he's an idiot. Yeah, so like a sure sign that she was robbed. And I feel like they knew these other people were robbed too. Yes. Not all yes. of them necessarily, but somebody's visa card's missing. The roll of quarters is missing. Mm-hmm. There's $50 missing. Like, I don't know. That's a theft. These lines are here. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Sullivan performed an autopsy on her body on February 21st, 1994. Again, the same freaking guy. I feel like I got to say it every time. The same guy. I'm kind of surprised, right? I think the department is small, but mm-hmm. it's it's just different when you think about like because we're just waiting for them to put like two and two together and the same guy is seeing the same situation coming in here time and time and time again. You think at minimum he would be like, hey, yo, guys, yeah, something's going on. <laughs> because I feel like that rarely probably happens where the same guy, because a lot of times they're in different towns, you know, or whatever, there might be a larger or more. Uh, there's more morticians. They're not all yeah. the same people doing the autopsies. Yeah. Yeah. It's just insane. Same, <laughs> same freaking guy. And I got to tell you, you would think Taco Bell at some point would be like, okay, we had five people murdered in the span of six months in the same city because you gotta know that even if you're their part-time you would think people they would send like flowers and shit you know and a, a letter to their employees saying five of you are dead everybody be on high alert yeah they would you would think they would definitely notice and you'd think too that somebody in taco bell who you know i know that he was a probably a traveling manager and went to different ones but you would start to see the connections too right i mean he knew all of these people i don't know so anybody that wasn't connected to taco bell they wouldn't know about if you worked at taco bell but i would still just i wouldn't necessarily put it to him but i mean i definitely would be really really suspicious yeah something strange is afoot Extreme- at the taco bell yes exactly I don't know. It's very strange. So he performed the autopsy. He observed minimal evidence of blunt trauma as well as evidence of strangulation. There were a ligature in place around her neck. The ligature was made of a long sleeve pullover type shirt and a towel. 
Dr. Sullivan also observed small hemorrhages in the eye on the skin of the face and the muscles in the front of the neck, same as all the other ones. Mm-hmm. He observed Mm -hmm. small areas of bruising beneath the ligature, likely caused by the pinching of it. And he said that the cause of her death was strangulation. That's just weird. You'd feel like after you wrote that down the same time, five times before, like, damn, I'm writing this a lot. Yeah. Like, everybody's out here getting strangled. I don't know. Wallace confessed that he had been in Mac's neighborhood and had called to see if she was at home. When she answered, he hung up the phone. So he was just not, he was not calling to say like, hey, what's up? I'm come over. He was just calling to see if she was home. Mm-hmm. He walked over to her, par- her apartment. He admitted that his motive was going to see her for robbery. And that robbery was to support his cocaine addiction and his murder. But I don't buy that like at freaking all, right? You've raped every single person that you've murdered. So you went there to rape somebody. That's not what you're doing this for. And you Mm. would be robbing people that weren't like in their early freaking 20s and like women that are, you know, single parents started in life. Yeah. Like it just makes no sense. And the fact that he even had the fucking audacity to say that that's why he was doing this kind of really pisses me off. Mm -hmm. I don't know. He stated that he tried to find a way to maneuver her into a position he needed in order to administer his infamous chokehold at this point, but she refused to give him a hug, so he asked for something to drink. When she turned her back, that's when he pulled out a pillowcase that he had brought with him and placed it around her neck. So he was, like, prepared for yeah. this. As she resisted, he put more pressure on the pillowcase and explained that he was robbing her. They went into the bedroom where he commanded her to give him all of the money she had, including her automated teller machine card, her ATM card. <laughs> in the 21st century. <laughs> we, in 1993. In 1990, where are we at? 1994. They probably were the still automated called. teller machine card. <laughs> and her pin number after she gave wallace everything he told her to take her clothes off which she did and he raped her afterwards he told her to put her clothes back on and then tighten the pillowcase around her neck until she passed out he added another garment to keep the pillowcase from loosening which was that shirt and then checked on the baby and stayed until the baby went to sleep what kind of moral code does this guy have i don't know I don't know. He's weird. Like, yeah, because like strange. Because that's a nice thing. And he told and the like kid to go to bed. To do that. Yeah. Yeah. But then he hurts one later. So mm-hmm. like keep that in mind. I don't know. I don't know what he's got going on. It's very freaking weird. He then left, and it's also like stupid to stay there. Like you're gonna get caught. Well, and did he, and we might talk about this, but did he take the pillowcase with him then when he left? Because I feel like that's the first rule of, you know, not getting caught is don't bring something to the crime scene that wasn't already there. You know what I mean? Yeah, you definitely should not do that. And I don't, I don't know. I can't remember if we said that. I, we, it, no. I thought that we said that there was a shirt. Maybe that was on a different one. There was a shirt added to it, but it didn't say it got taken away. 
The lig- it was the- ligature was made of a long sleeve pullover type shirt and a towel. Okay, so there he didn't leave the pillowcase. He just used that yeah, initially. So he got something else. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Wallace left the apartment, walked down the street, and called a cab. Later, he attempted to use the ATM card at several banks and discovered that the PIN number that she had given him was not correct. Yeah. Go yeah. fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. That's right. Good for her. What a smart move. Yeah, that was smart. Hate this I'm, guy. Right. On March 8th, 1994, Wallace robbed and strangled 24-year-old Betty Jean Bauckham a day after her birthday. Savage. Um, Bauckham and Wallace's girlfriend were co-workers at Bojangles. So there's not just people going out at the Taco Bell. There's people going out at the Bojangles, and that is where his girlfriend works. Right. I know. I know that it's not like it feels so obvious knowing it now. And I guess maybe that would not be obvious at all. It should be, though, right? But it feels like it should be. I don't know. It's very, that is just very frustrating. Because I would get if it's just two Taco Bell people or, you know, like, or two Bojangles people or four at each, you know, two at Taco Bell and two at Bojangles. Okay, maybe that's just like some fluke thing. But this is like a lot. It's not really that much more than that, but still, they're not all at the same freaking Taco Bell. I don't know. It's one thing to think about, like, they're all at the same Taco Bell. That would be, like, half your workforce, right? Why well, knew people... I knew people that worked at different Wendy's when I worked at Wendy's. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying it would be harder to notice that they're from coming from all the different taco bells oh way easier to notice if it was all in the one yeah yes you're yes that is correct so i don't know i don't know how that works it just feels i don't know <laughs> yeah it's like they should have noticed for sure way earlier and this should not still be going on betty lived in an apartment in charlotte with her adopted daughter on march 9th of 1994, Bauckham, who was the assistant manager at Bojangles on Central Avenue, was scheduled to work, but she did not come to work. Bauckham's unit director, Jeffrey Ellis, called her apartment several times but received no answer. Ellis also talked with some of her co-workers, but no one had heard from her. Additionally, Ellis called her mother, but she had not heard from her either. I feel like it's it's different when an assistant manager doesn't come into work too, right? Yeah, yeah. The next morning, Ellis became increasingly worried because she was scheduled again but didn't show up. Neither her mother nor her aunt had heard from her. Ellis and another employee drove to her apartment to check on her. They knocked on the door and looked in the windows and everything seemed fine. He then called her mother again and... Ellis and the mother decided to contact the police department and they reported her as a missing person. This is good that there's people pretty much immediately noticing when anybody's like mm-hmm. missing. Which just, again, adds to the extra like he should have been connected sooner. Yeah. 
Officer Gregory Norwood of the Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Department received a call on the morning of March 10th to respond to an apartment where a young woman had been found. She was not breathing. Maintenance personnel let Norwood into the apartment and Norwood discovered Bauckham's body laying face down on her bed with a towel around her neck. Ugh. It's terrible. Approximately an hour after Ellis called police, an officer approached Ellis in the parking lot of the Bojangles restaurant and told him that they had found Betty's body. Yikes. Dr. Sullivan. <laughs> da 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 da. <laughs> surprise he performed an autopsy on betty's body on march 11th he observed blunt trauma injuries and evidence of strangulation including a ligature in place around her neck so you know we know what he's gonna say because he said it so many damn times before how many times have we read the same shit and it is literally exactly all of the same the same light blunt traumas the same ligatures, the same everything. Hemorrhages. Everything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But then there's always like something a little bit added or mm-hmm. different. So she did have all of everything we just said. Additionally, Dr. Sullivan observed abrasions over the left shoulder, both arms, the right upper chest, and the abdomen, and a blunt trauma injury to the head with an area of abrasion over the right forehead. So definitely like a little bit more beat up. Mm -hmm. During the internal examination, he observed a buildup of blood in the lungs, enlargement of the brain, small hemorrhages in the muscles in the front of the neck, and small hemorrhages in the lining of the voice box. He testified that the injuries observed were consistent with a struggle. So she fought back. Good for you. Hard. Yep. Dr. Sullivan said that the cause of Eddie's death was, though, still strangulation. Yeah. So uh, she good for you though. You know you try you tried to do everything you could. Mm-hmm. Wallace confessed that he went to Bacham's apartment and told her that he needed to use her phone. She let him in. They talked for a while, and as Wallace was getting ready to leave, he placed a choke hold on her, and she fell to the floor. Can Wallace, you imagine. I I know. Sorry. Can you just imagine having somebody who's not like you're not super comfortable with them, but you know them just randomly effing put a chokehold on you? Yeah. It would be odd too just for him to show up at the door. You know what I mean? Yeah. Asking to say, hey, can I use be there? Like, what? I don't know if that means that all of these people are like buddy buddy, but that's weird too. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the fact that they kind of know him and that he's doing that random chokehold thing on them. I wonder if they're immediately struggling because I feel like for at Mm -hmm. least a minute you'd be like, is this bro for real right now? Right. Maybe he's just trying to give me a hug from the back. I don't know. I feel like like you would just be like, what is happening? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Because I I don't know. It's just wild. Sorry. But then, too, I feel like now that we're getting kind of further down the line and every I'm sure that this has to be talked about, right? Like it has to be in the newspaper. People have to be knowing that these women are dying. 
you would think then as soon as that happened to you, now that we're further down the line that a chokehold mm-hmm. is going on, it's like, okay, now it's time to fight because we're not getting out of this. You know, like we got to, yeah. this is it. Yeah. Like this is the one. I don't know. I don't think that they had like said that this is a serial killer. I'm pretty sure they didn't until right before he got caught. Even if it's not a serial killer, though, if you're reading time and time again the same MO, I mean, the people yeah, moms reading the would paper be talking, yeah, somebody would be talking, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure as soon as you read the paper, you're like, oh shit, this is a, a serial killer. <laughs> I don't know, though. If they don't tell you that it's a serial killer, you're probably not like it's a serial killer, I guess, but you might be like, damn, a lot of people are getting strangled. There's yeah, I there's don't know. Nobody... I don't know. I just there don't was, know. There was nothing to do in 1994. Guaranteed, everybody was reading the damn paper every day and saying there's a serial killer. You think? No, maybe the smart ones are because <laughs> <laughs> it's very obvious. But you would. It's not like it is today. We're like, I don't, I don't read the news. So there could be a Taco Bell serial killer in the mist in my location and i would have no idea you know those facebook moms would tell you though <laughs> i know that's true oh man they would have had this solved before, after the second person <laughs> right but you don't need you the know. news now yeah but people read the paper back in 1994 and yeah, i feel watched like they the would news. be watching out for this i guess because they we didn't have cell phones back then you know that was the only way you could get your information yeah I don't know. So Wallace told her that it was a robbery and he demanded the alarm code, keys, and the combination to the safe at Bojangles, where she was a manager, again with the safe. It's not going to work. Yeah, it's not going to happen. She was very upset and she took about 30 minutes to produce the safe's combination. And if she was smart, she would have given them the wrong code. Um, yeah. He then released the chokehold and she then... He said that he remembers her asking, why did you do that to me? Yeah. He responded that he was a sick person and that he had hurt many people. The the only thing I'm agreeing with. Yeah. And it's not good if he's telling her that. Yeah. Don't don't tell me your secrets. Right. I don't want (laughs) to see your face anymore. I, you know, whatever. Because at that point, you know that you're going to die. Yeah. For sure. Because you know all the things. Yeah. You don't want to know any of these things. Unless you're Indiana Jones, because he always gets out of shit after the plan is laid out to him nicely. That's true. But he has a whip. Yeah. Bauckham then embraced Wallace. So she gave him a hug and said that she forgave him and told him he needed help. He's trying to be nice. Yep. He stated that he became enraged whenever she told him that and grabbed her by the throat slammed her to the floor and then they were wrestling yeah wallace got bacham to her feet and took her into the bedroom where he told her to remove her clothes bacham told wallace she did not want to remove her clothes because she had a medical condition i don't know what that medical condition is but good try she's gonna tell you right now she then showed wallace a rash which he stated looked kind of like an ordinary rash so, so he was, didn't... like, non-concerned about any medical conditions. Yep. 
Wallace then told her he wanted her to perform oral sex on him. She grabbed his penis and started pulling and scratching. Get it, girl. Yeah, Get it. there you go. Wallace and Bauckham began to fight again, and Wallace sustained a bite on his shoulder and scratches on her his abdomen. So she is going to town. Yeah, she's trying to get him out of here. She's Wallace, fighting. She was fighting hard. Uh, Wallace was able to tighten the towel around her neck until she was nearly unconscious. At this point, she removed her clothes and engaged in sexual intercourse with Wallace because she's like, damn, he's strong, and I this is where it, what's going to happen. Well, I don't think when they, you know, I don't like this because this is pulled out of his confession. And I feel like when they word things like engaged in sexual intercourse, I'm 100% positive. I think she was forcibly raped. Yes. She might have done what he asked of her in, you know, under she was nearly unconscious. I feel like at that. Yeah. I don't know. Either either way. I don't like it's sounds too like consensually yeah with no. engaged in, and that is not the case <laughs> yes i agree with you yes he raped her afterwards wallace told her to put her clothes back on then he placed a towel around her neck and asked her if she had any money balcom gave wallace the money in her purse and he t- took a gold chain from around her neck after strangling betty to death wallace took her television and left in her car Wallace sold the television for drugs, and then he returned to her apartment to make sure that she was dead and to also grab her uh, VCR while he was there. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. While in Betty's apartment, Wallace used a wet cloth to wipe off the phone, doorknobs, and the walls on which some of the fights had occurred. Wallace used money from her purse, the gold chain, and the VCR to purchase more drugs. Wallace kept Betty's car almost two days. So not only is it ballsy to take off in her car in the first place, but did two days? Yeah, two days. That's ridiculous. Wallace then left the car in the parking lot because he thought police officers were following him, which they should have been. I feel like that would be really, I would be so paranoid. Oh, yeah. Everybody's a cop. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And they should have been following him. Yes. Wallace stated that he wiped the interior and most of the exterior of the car, but he forgot to wipe the trunk lid. And that's another thing. You're just you're just spewing evidence into all of these places. Yeah. He is. I don't know. In March 1994, Brandy Henderson was living in an apartment with her boyfriend, Verness Lamar Woods, and this Verness knew uh, Wallace, and also their 10-month-old son lived at the apartment, and that's T.W. Woods was at the apartment taking care of T.W. because Brandy had a doctor's appointment, and as Brandy was leaving, Wallace went to the apartment to say that he was leaving town. He stayed only, yeah, I don't know. He stayed for only a few minutes and then he left. Brandy returned during the afternoon around five o'clock in the evening. Verness left to go to work. So Wallace like randomly stopped by earlier in the day. That is so weird. Yeah. When Verness left, Brandy and TW were alone in the apartment. The apartment was neat and clean. The front door was locked. 
Verness returned to the apartment around midnight to find the front door unlocked, items scattered around the living room, and the stereo missing. Verness mm. then went through the apartment. He first came to T.W.'s bedroom, where he turned on the light and saw T.W. sitting on the bed, gasping for air, Ooh. with something white coming out of his mouth and a pair of shorts wrapped around his neck. No! Yes. No. Like, isn't that... That is just terrifying. Ten months Ver old. Ten months old. Yeah. Verness immediately ran to TW to remove the shorts, and they were tightly tied around TW's neck. Verness then realized that Brandy was lying face down on the bed. Woods rolled her onto her back and saw that towels were tied around her neck and that her face was blue. He removed two of the towels from her neck and then called 911. He moved Brandy's body from the bed to the floor and started CPR, which was what the 911 operator was telling him to do. So he's just following instructions at this point. Mm -hmm. And when police officers arrived, it was obvious to them that Brandy had passed. TW was taken to the hospital, though. Wow. Mm -hmm. That is terrible. It really is. Upon being taken to Carolina's medical center, Dr. Tom Brewer examined TW in the emergency room. Oh, I don't want to know. He's okay. um, Dr. Brewer testified that TW was awake, breathing, and had stable vital signs. However, his failure to pull away when stuck with a needle was some evidence that he had not been acting normally. There were red mm -hmm. marks around his uh, neck consistent with something being tied around his neck. In addition, there were very fine bruising on his cheeks and eyelids caused by a buildup of blood pressure as a result of his jugular vein being blocked. Moreover, TW's altered mental state indicated his brain was not functioning normally because of some compromise of blood flow to the brain. Within 15 to 30 minutes, T.W. became more alert and began interacting with his environment. Dr. Brewer testified that he believed the ligature of T.W.'s injury caused great pain and suffering. Of course it did. I think they determined at the end of everything, though, that he was not he did not suffer from like lifelong lasting brain damage or anything from losing the oxygen. Just but the men mental situation. Yeah. The violence that, yeah, that would take forever to get over. It's just so awful. And I don't know. It's, I feel like the, the, there's a very fine line between when you're unconscious versus when you're dead. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you would have to be so precise with that applying of the pressure and noticing. And I'm sure it's different for a 10 month old than it is for a female. Yeah. And it's just, it's so lucky at the same but time, really so sad good. that he, yeah. Mm -hmm. It is awful. Dr. Sullivan performed an autopsy on Brandy's body on the 10th of March and observed minor blunt trauma injuries and lacerations. He also observed evidence of strangulation, including small hemorrhage in the eyes, the skin, the face, the neck, and the muscles in the front of the neck and the lining of the voice box. So, again, the he same. said the cause of death was strangulation. So he's just in and out, seeing the same thing over and over again. 
Wallace confessed that he planned to murder Henderson on Tuesday morning, but when he arrived at the apartment, Verness was still there. Mm-hmm. So when he showed up, he was planning to do things. Wow. Wallace left the apartment, found Betty Bochum's apartment in the same apartment complex, and mar- murdered Betty instead. Oh, my God. He returned to Brandy's apartment that same night when he knew Verness would be at work. He pretended he had something to leave for Verness, and Brandy and Wallace talked for a while because she, of course, trusted him because it's her person's friend, you know? Mm -hmm. And then Wallace asked for something to drink, and when Brandy reached into the cabinet, he choked her and told her to go into the bedroom. Brandy begged Wallace to allow her to hold her son, but he said, I don't know if that would be a good idea for for what we're about to do. Ugh. Ugh. That's not good. Yeah. No. He told her that this was also going to be a robbery and then demanded money. She gave him a Pringles can filled with approximately $20 worth of coins and said there was no other money in the house. Wallace also told her that he would be taking the television in stereo when he left. He told her to remove her clothes, which she did. Brandy grabbed her son, laid him across her chest, and turned his head away so that he couldn't see what was going on. Snakes wow. would be, like, sick. Yeah. And just... Ugh. So, she was raped in the bedroom, but moved to TW's bedroom so that he wouldn't cry. Once in T.W.'s room, she was raped more, with T.W. laying across her chest. Afterwards, Wallace told her to put her clothes back on, and he put his clothes on. She went into the bathroom, got a towel, you know, cleaned up. Wallace folded the towel, put it around her neck, and strangled her to death. The chaos, I feel like that would have to just be, like, ensuing in all of these instances that going from like knowing somebody and then these terrible thing happening and then they're trying to kill you Mm -hmm. just i don't know it's crazy to me that that's going on over and over because all of these people knew him and i just feel like that's that just shows the depravity of somebody that can rape somebody especially Mm -hmm. having a their child laying on Their their chest Mm-hmm. And you still be unable to to Do get it that. done. Mm-hmm. That's sickening. It is disgusting. So he tied a towel around her neck. He TW started crying. So Wallace gave him a pacifier and looked for something that he could drink, but couldn't find anything. He then took another towel from the bathroom and tied it tight around TW's neck. Why? Why? why yeah you literally said you went from trying to comfort this child to now trying to kill him right i don't get it he tied it tight around so it would be difficult for him to breathe and so that he would stop crying tw did stop crying and laid down next to his mom wallace then ran into the living room disconnected the stereo loaded it into betty's car oh my god And then also took the television that was sitting on the floor. Before leaving, he took food that had been delivered in the container of coins. And he ended up selling the television and stereo for uh, $175, which he used to purchase crack cocaine drugs. 
How much does 175 bucks get you? I mean, that sounds like a lot. I have absolutely <laughs> no idea. <laughs> At all. Like, what's the price I don't of even crack? know what crack cocaine looks like, I don't think. So I have absolutely no idea what the going rate is or how much it would look like. I have no clue. But yeah, I don't know. Mm. It doesn't seem like he needs that much money. <laughs> yeah, and he's already got money from the other people. Yeah, I don't know. He's but the amounts that he is stealing are so low. Yeah, that it seems like he doesn't need to get that much money to support his habit. I don't know. So if anybody knows how much crack costs, like I don't Let even know. know what we're just curious at this point. Well, and what's the measurement? Like crack? That's what I, that's... I don't know. And like, how much do you take at a time? I have no idea. There's so many questions. Because how much crack... is he doing a day? <laughs> I don't. I have no idea crack is a crack rock and then you got to burn it in a spoon you know and then shoot it up right so what is that like one rock i don't know i feel like there'd be sizing differences i don't know it seems very complicated to me anyway i have absolutely no idea but (laughs) he's not taking that much money yeah (laughs) not getting that much The police beefed up patrols in East Charlotte after two bodies of young black women were found at the Lake apartment complex, which was Betty Betty and and Brandy. um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Even though even so, Wallace sneaked through to rob and strangled 35 year old Deborah Ann Slaughter, who had been a co-worker of his girlfriend on March 12th, 1994, Slaughter's mother, Lovely Slaughter. Wow, what a cool name. Or wait, is that Lovey? Lovey, Lovey. I like that name too. Still, that's good. She went to Slaughter's apartment to return a picture she had taken a few days before. Lovey had a key to the apartment and anticipated letting herself in because Deborah was supposed to be at work. When Lovey arrived, she knocked on the door and got no response. She put the key in the lock and discovered the door was not locked. As Lovey walked through the door, she saw Deborah's body lying on the floor and she immediately called 911. Oh my God. That is so awful. I can't even imagine like my child being murdered, but then for me to find the body. And expecting her not to be at home. Uh, I don't know. It's terrible. Officer Ronnie Chambers of the Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Department entered Deborah's apartment and found a purse with its contents scattered on the floor. Chambers then noticed Deborah's body lying on the floor face up. There was white fabric in her mouth and a towel around her neck. Chambers observed um, puncture wounds in Deborah's chest. So she was also stabbed. On March 14th, our favorite guy dr sullivan (laughs) performed an autopsy on deborah's body during the external examination he observed a ligature around her neck and a sock balled up and stuffed into her mouth holding her mouth open the evidence of strangulation yeah were all the same as before you know it's all the same Mm -hmm. stuff and he's using two he used two towels and encircled those around her neck and he just, I don't know. 
There was blunt trauma injuries, including abrasions of the skin on her face and a single scalp contusion. And then he also observed sharp trauma injuries caused by 38 stab wounds to the chest and the abdomen. Holy cow. He didn't do that before. He w- did four the last time. Mm-hmm. 38's a lot more. 38 stab. Like, have you ever punched anything for a minute? It's hard. Yeah, I have. It is definitely difficult. I don't, I mean, that feels so personal, right? Uh-huh. And if you're angry at him. Yeah. Three of the stab wounds caused injury to the heart, 12 of the stab wounds to the left lung, and each of the wounds could have been fatal. So out of those. Yeah. Just, just those ones. Oh, my God. Yeah. Those stab wounds also caused injury to her liver and her stomach. He did say that the cause of death was multiple stab wounds with strangulation as a contributing factor. Still there. Still there. Still in the name. Still wrote it down for Mm -hmm. the 15th friggin' time. No alarm bells. Nothing. You got nothing. (laughs) I got nothing. And maybe we're being unfair here we're gonna Maybe. talk about it we're gonna talk about it a little bit at the end okay. of all of this so great good there will be, I things, to wait. be things to be said about okay. the situation wallace confessed that he went to slaughter's apartment to use drugs with her wallace realized that deborah had some money when she said she could not buy any drugs because she had uh to make her money last until the next week Wallace asked Deborah to get him something to drink as he used before. As Mm -hmm. she turned around, Wallace put a towel he had brought with him around her neck and tightened it. She fell to her knees. Wallace stated that Deborah then realized that Wallace was the one who had killed the two other girls nearby. Thankfully. Yes. I also, Uh, I'm going to just stop right here real quick. He did not just go to her apartment to use drugs with her if he brought his own towel. Yeah, no, that was, yeah. He's a fucking liar. I don't believe anything he says. I don't believe anything he says either. Um, yeah, so she, she connected these dots quickly. Yep. Wallace told Deborah to remove her clothes and to perform oral sex on him. Wallace remembered Deborah saying, I don't do that. You might as well go ahead and kill me. Get it, girl. If you, yeah. if Like, if that's you're not gonna, the last thing I'm going to be doing. <laughs> no, it, if you are going to kill me, I am going to talk shit to the bitter end. To the bitter end. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, Wallace tightened the towel and asked if she wanted to change her mind. Slaughter did say that she would not perform oral sex on Wallace. So she's not changing her mind. Wallace raped her. And afterwards told her to get her clothes on. Like he told all the others Wallace, knowing Deborah carried a knife in her purse at all times, asked to empty the context contents of her purse onto the floor, which she did. Wallace kicked the knife away and then told Deborah to open the wallet and give him everything in it. As Deborah did this, Wallace grabbed the knife that was in her purse. Deborah handed Wallace $40 from the wallet and Deborah hit, wallace and screamed for the police so Mm -hmm. she's starting to fight too she's fighting wallace then tightened the towel around her neck until she fell to the floor and started kicking 
He then tightened the towel more and tried to sit on top of her legs to keep her from alerting the neighbors downstairs. Because these are the all fact apartment that these buildings. are happening. I know. And until then, I'm like not realizing that there are neighbors here. Mm-hmm. Like, and you know, living in an apartment, you can. Oh, yeah. Stuff. Yes. Wallace went to the bathroom to retrieve another towel, which he tied with the first one around her neck. Wallace stabbed Deborah with a knife from her purse approximately 20 times in the abdomen. Wallace then. Yeah, it was 40. Yeah. 40 what? Or 38. 38. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see here. Wallace then washed the knife clean and wiped his fingerprints from it and placed it back with the contents of Slaughter's purse on the floor. So just shoved it back in there. I mean, gave it a wipe, but the murder weapon. Mm hmm. He then left Deborah's apartment to go purchase crack cocaine and returned to her apartment to smoke it. You've got to be on crack to just be mm-hmm. like living this guy's life. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. When he left the second time, he took a coat, a baseball bat, and a butcher knife from her apartment. He threw all of these three items away after leaving the apartment. So, like, why even why? take it? I don't know. I don't know. I could not. I couldn't tell you. I have no idea. Wallace was arrested. And I I guess I don't have how he got arrested on here. So so I Googled it whenever we talked earlier about this. And he was arrested because they made the connection after he murdered Betty and Deborah in the same apartment building. Okay. They were able to find him that way. Okay. I thought but I don't I know. definitely did read that. Apparently, I didn't put that in here because now I do remember. But they did alert that there was a serial killer at that time when they at the same time at the time the two women died. That's when they started saying, hey, y'all, we have a serial killer. And it wasn't quick enough to save Deborah. everybody else. And Deborah. and um... because they took so long to put it together. Right. And I think what happened then is after they started like going to him and socking it to him he confessed right so i still don't think it was any you know dna evidence or anything like that i think he, he just, just was... fully confessed to yeah. everything yeah so he was arrested and for 12 hours he confessed to the murders of the 10 women in charlotte he described to detail the women's appearances how he'd done the rapes robberies and and killing them and spoke about his addiction to crack He told police he started having violent fantasies of dominating women after he witnessed a gang rape at the age of eight. Jeez. And his mom was strict too, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. And that's when, like, I don't know. And at 16, he attempted to rape a friend's younger sister and told the police in his confessions that eventually he started having quote unquote rough sex with sex workers. Wow. So he had that rage in him like this entire time. And it was probably, you know, partially because of his mother was domineering and him wanting to dominate women because of it. Mm -hmm. Either way, you do better. You can just go to counseling for that shit. Like not crack cocaine and murder and (laughs) rape. It's ridiculous. Mm. Charlotte's police chief rejoiced at Wallace's arrest, reassuring the community that the women of East Charlotte were safe. I wonder what would have happened if he wouldn't have confessed. I wonder if they would have got him. I don't know. Yeah, probably. I mean, 
Jesus eventually, but how many more people would have had to have died? I feel like they had fingerprint evidence against him too. I think they had other evidence outside okay, of this, good. just just this full confession. I think they had other evidence outside of it. Okay, good. Um However, many in the area's black community criticized the police's conduct during the investigation, accusing them of neglecting the murders of black women. Which, which I mean, yeah, pretty blatant, I feel like. Yeah, I would say, I would say. As Shauna Denise Hawk's mother, Dee Sumter, said, the victims were prominent, weren't prominent people with social economic status. They weren't special and they were black. Charlotte's police chief, Dennis Nowick, had said he was unaware of a killer until early March 1994 when the three young black women were murdered within four days. So it took them until then. They just weren't paying attention. Yeah. They were not able to, to, yeah. I mean, there's more excuses coming. So, I mean, you know, but what the hell? The Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Department apologized to Charlotte's citizens for not spotting a link between the murders sooner. Thank you. I feel like I needed to be apologized to also for having to read Strangulation 97 damn times. Um, and let's however, see. however, they said the murder cases varied enough to throw them off Wallace's trail. Yeah, I mean, no. No, if you're writing strangulation down over and over, I mean, I just, I don't know. Yeah, that, no. They did have varying situations added to the main thing, but still, I just don't feel like that's enough to be like, no, they're not related anymore. Well, you're, okay. (laughs) Not only, though, is the coroner not being like, wow, you know, but then the the police it's the same they are meant to detect and they're finding people these women with things wrapped around their necks like this is how they're finding them so you don't need the coroner to say like something you know you're detecting the same thing i just don't i don't know i'm not no not buying that your job is to detect i don't know it's just wild (laughs) it is wild. wild and until wallace's murder pace picked up in the early weeks of march 1994 they're saying the deaths were sporadic and not entirely similar. Okay. Mm, it was only during that. the <laughs> right. It was only during the week of March 9th that Charlotte police warned the people in East Charlotte that there was a serial killer on the loose. So pretty late, real late into the real game. Late. During real a press late. conference, <laughs> right? During a press conference following Wallace's arrest. The police deputy chief, Larry Snyder, said police worked tremendously hard and did an excellent job investigating the cases. We're sorry that we didn't get him identified earlier, he said. Had we done that, we may could have saved the lives of some of these women. Yes. Duh. However, with a total number of 129 murders, 1993 was the deadliest year in Charlotte. So when you see that there's 129 murders in the city, that is kind of a lot, right? Yeah, that is, but it's close proximity, same MO, most, yeah, you know, all of I feel like theme. you should still, but yeah, I don't know. They said that that deadly, that deadliest year was partly fueled by the crack epidemic. So Former- that is like, wait a second, that, hold on, 129 murders, okay, 
but it was partly fueled by the crack ep- epidemic. That would link all of those together. So those shouldn't even, I mean, while the deaths are what do you tragic. Mean that would link all of them together. That would link all the crack cases together. Wouldn't What's it? Crack? No, they're not overdosing. There's murders. Oh, because of the crack. Yeah. It's it's homicide, not an overdose situation. Okay. Okay. You're right. I will back <laughs> that train up. <laughs> okay. My bad. Former Charlotte Mecklenburg homicide detective Gary McFadden, who worked on the Wallace murders, said the unit was understaffed with only six to eight detectives. So 129 murders with six to eight detectives. That's why, like, I feel for them a little bit in this police department. But at the same time, I feel like there was definitely some, like, neglect going on there. Well, how many how many women were were in that grouping that he murdered for five the last little group yeah the group that all was in this but all the people he knew total yeah like 10 like 10 see they could have gotten 10 off their caseload if they would have linked these bitches together yeah but but think about this there's 129 murders there's 60 detectives that work those cases but they also deal with natural and accidental deaths suicides and missing persons they are so stretched out again yes. i am not giving them an out here because i feel like that was still extremely neglectful and probably for a reason i think they're absolutely right with this um that they were black women without high social standing like absolutely right i think but that's still like six to eight with all of that yeah. that's ridiculous yeah i mean that's that's management yeah or the government that's it's on them it's not on these detectives necessarily they missed definitely some links but i could see like some of like i watched the first 48 and a lot of those guys get maybe like three hours of sleep in 48 hours Mm -hmm. so like that sucks because i i am pro police you know i think that Mm -hmm. there are some bad apples out there but but it's a it's, it comes from the top. That is a staffing issue. That is not enough funds. That is, you know, do better. It's a terrible staffing issue. McFadden, who's now the sheriff in Mecklenburg County, said, we worked under very difficult conditions. We never had time to collaborate. We never had time to give cases a lot of attention. Additionally, the Wallace investigations were hampered by the fact that the killer was cleaning down all these surfaces, putting items he wasn't sure if he touched into the oven to evaporate fingerprints so he was like he seems really up and down but he was cleaning up after himself mm-hmm. too well for the cops to be able to to follow wallace also made at least one of his victims shower off dna evidence over the next okay. two years wallace's trial was delayed due to the choice of venue dna evidence from murdered victims and jury selection The proceedings began in September 1996, and on January 7th, 1997, Wallace was found guilty of nine murders. On January 29th, he was sentenced to nine death sentences. Get him. Get him. Good. On June 5th, 1998, Wallace married a former prison nurse. Why? They always be doing that. Like, what? Uh, Rebecca, in a ceremony that was held next to the execution chamber where he has been sentenced to die. What's the end game there? Like, are you just no. on your 
on your bucket list? Is it becoming a widow of a serial killer? Like, is that one you're crossing off? Because there's no hope to that situation. He's very open with the fact that he definitely did it. So he's not like going to get overturned, right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know either. I don't understand. I don't understand the allure there. I don't understand what the point is. I don't, I don't understand. I wonder how that works. Do, does he propose to her via a monitored phone conversation? What kind of rings are exchanged? I don't know. I've got questions. We should do an episode on like prison weddings. If we can find enough information. Yeah. There's tons of that women are dumb. Sorry, but we, a lot of us are dumb. A lot. I mean, this is very unfair. I disagree with this statement, but there are some crazy people out there for sure. (laughs) People seek out all the time people in prison. And I don't know if that's like because you're not emotionally like available to have somebody live with you. So, you know, they're never going to live with you. I have no idea why you would ever do that. I have no idea. If anybody knows anybody, I got questions and I need answers. So tell him to hit me up. Anyway. Very strange. Since his conviction, Wallace had made several appeals in an attempt to overturn his death sentences. He stated that his... Bullshit. He stated his confessions had been coerced and his constitutional rights had been violated. I don't know how you coerce details like that out of somebody. That is not possible. No. Shut up, guy. No, I understand force can, you know, confessions are a thing. We've talked about them here, yeah, but you're you exactly right. You're exactly right. Nobody's, if, if you do a forced confession, you're going to say, yeah, I did it. And then the cops are going to tell you what you did. He straight up was telling them all kinds of shit. Mm-hmm. What a, like, and what about the, the victim's constitutional rights? Didn't give a damn about them. Doesn't make any sense. In 2000. <laughs> North Carolina's Supreme Court upheld the death sentences. His appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court was denied in 2001 and in 2005. Superior Court Judge Charles Lamb rejected a further appeal to overturn Wallace's convictions and nine death sentences. So he on fry. He is. I don't know when, though. We need to know. I looked it up. I couldn't find it. I wonder if we could get a seat. I don't know if it's, I'm not going to watch that. I don't know if it's not like in the books or what, but I still crazy. Isn't that just crazy? He'll be so terrible. When was he convicted? No, uh, January 1997. Hold on. What's that? What's that math? My little calculator. Like how long has it been? So it's been 26 years. Yeah, something like that. And he's still on death row. He'll be on there for another 20. He's probably, I wonder if people die on death row. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do too. I'm sure they do probably relatively often. Hmm. But I don't know. This guy. His death sentences don't mean anything if you're going to give them. And I understand that they want that time to pass just in case something happens, you know. But this is so blatantly him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's probably the reason is because of all of these appeals. They just drag it out. Yeah. 
I mean, that definitely adds time to it, but they that finished a while ago. Well, and let's so see. I so, don't know why it's not on a schedule, right? Well, and how old is he? So he was born in 1965. So he's almost 60. They better put him on the fast track. Like, hurry up. I wonder if maybe some laws with the death sentence has changed. There, I don't know. You never know. You never know. It could have gone away, come back. Who knows? I don't know. It's taken a long time, though, and it's taken too long. Yeah. He definitely did it, and it's terrible. And these, like, poor women, all of them were young. One and lots of them were mothers. Like, I, it's just awful. And some of the family members, like the mothers and things yeah. like that, they might be dead and gone themselves. So they'll never get to see their child's murderer brought to justice mm-hmm. by the death sentence that was sentenced to him freaking 26 years ago. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. It's taking too long. It is. Well, let me cite my sources. I used Wikipedia, thoughtco.com, AETV, and the State versus Wallace hold on let me actually get the site it's caselaw.finelaw.com and it's his case and that's why again this one went into so much more detail because it was from the case and he was so open about everything mm-hmm. it's, ugh, ugh. he looks like a, a chubby man yeah that's the other thing okay well i was thinking about it and i'm like damn what kind of food do they have in prison because he looks like he gained at least a hundred pounds when he uh-huh. went to prison, but then I realized it's probably because he's not doing crack anymore. Oh, he's hungry. Not even just that he's hungry. I feel like your body puts on the weight again, and yeah, well, he's eating in prison. Yeah, it's not like you can eat whatever you want in prison. <laughs> so I still, I'm still like, I'm unsure how he gained as much weight as he did. <laughs> yeah, he looks not like somebody that could have the stamina to stab somebody 38 times, but he was a lot thinner then. But still, yeah, I, I mean, he he does look tall, like a tall, Person. chubby boy. Yeah, mm-hmm. he looks like a freaking boy. Yeah, he does have a young face. I don't know, mm. creepy. Well, thanks for riding that wave with us. That was a lot. It was a long one. It was a long one. There was a lot of stuff that happened. There was a lot of information available too. Yeah, it's terrible. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed episode 146 on Henry Lewis Wallace, the Taco Bell Strangler. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.